0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God. Reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. If you're enjoying Sunday Setup and it's helping you enter more deeply into Sunday Mass, be sure to please spread the word and recommend our podcast to a friend better understand where Peter and Cornelius are coming from in our first reading, we have to remember that 2,000 years ago, Jews and Gentiles really didn't mix at all. It was sort of like Yankees and Red Sox fans. They just didn't like each other at all. And in fact, there's a verse in the story of Peter's visit to Cornelius' house that's omitted in what we hear at Mass this Sunday, and there, Peter is very clear about this Yankees-Red Sox relationship. Peter said to them, you know that it is unlawful for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a Gentile. But look how he continues. But God has shown me that I should not call any person profane or unclean. Peter says this right after the first moment in the scene of our first reading. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and, falling at his feet, paid him homage. Now remember, Cornelius had summoned for Peter because he wants to hear more about this Christian way of life. So when he asks Peter about it, we hear that Peter proceeded to speak and said. Now, this way of phrasing the beginning of Peter's speech, Peter proceeded to speak and said, is unique, isn't it? I mean, why didn't the author write, and then Peter said, blah, blah, blah? Well, this proceeded to speak and said triggers that what follows can be classified as prophetic speech. It's sort of like if someone starts a story with once upon a time. You know that the story to follow is going to be a fairy tale. Well, same thing here. That Peter proceeded to speak and say means that what follows is going to be prophetic and inspired speech. As a final thought about this first reading, we see the Holy Spirit sort of interrupt Peter's speech and fall upon Cornelius and the other Gentiles present there. What's the point? It shows that God is publicly accepting the Gentiles also as able to be Christians. But even more importantly, it's showing that this acceptance of Gentiles into the Christian way of life can occur without Gentiles first having to take up and embrace a Jewish way of life. This is what Peter concludes our excerpt with. Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit even as we have? Or in other words, how can any Jewish rules of life stand in the way of baptizing these people since they've already received the Holy Spirit? Our second reading is super straightforward. It's a passage from the first letter of St. John. Just one very brief thought about it. It demonstrates how God's love is not something in the abstract, but seeks to make it very concrete. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only Son into the world. It's as if someone asked St. John, Oh yeah, God loves me? Prove it. And he wrote this response. Our gospel this weekend picks up right where we left off in the previous weekend. It's part of Jesus' Last Supper discourse in John's Gospel. Jesus says, No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Yet, Jesus wasn't the first teacher to offer this bit of wisdom. Aristotle and Plato both said something similar centuries before. In the Nicomachean Ethics, Aristotle said this, To a noble man there applies the true saying that he does all things for the sake of his friends, and if need be, he gives his life for them. Then after him, Plato said, Only those who love wish to die for others in the Symposium. But what makes Jesus different is that he not only says these words, he lives by them, offering himself on the cross for his friends. In the Gospel passage, Jesus also says, I no longer call you slaves. When you hear the word slave, you might first think of someone whose freedom is limited. But in this context, Jesus is using the comparison between slaves and friends with regards to what each knows. The comparison here is not so much one of freedom as it is of knowledge. Jesus is saying that while the slave may not know what his master is up to, a friend enjoys being able to know what his friend thinks and wants. I have called you friends, Jesus says, because I have told you everything I have heard from my Father. A final point to be made is that Jesus says, it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. Remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples at the Last Supper, and he means this very concretely. Most of the famous teachers and rabbis at the time would amass a following, and these fans would choose the teacher they wanted to follow. But Jesus did the inverse. Jesus chose his followers, his disciples. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. The same is true for us. Jesus has called us to be his disciples. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this sixth Sunday of Easter. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.